Hello and welcome. My name is Maitreya Wolf, and this is the Art of Soulful Living podcast. Here, we will explore the many-faceted phenomenon of life with a capital L as a way of cultivating our consciousness and deepening evermore into the realm of soul. Story, song, poetry, curiosity, inquiry, and more will be our mode of travel, and I will guide our voyages in these holy moments of time together. I'm so grateful that you're here. So to begin, let's take a nice, long, slow, deep breath. As you inhale, come fully into your body and fully into this moment. And as you exhale, ground fully into your body and fully into this moment. Let your whole being come into a place of curiosity and receptivity and open your consciousness into exploration mode. My friends, we are set to embark. Are you ready? Here we go. Oh, hello, everybody. So good to be back here with you today on this beautiful Friday. I am here on the deck of my yurt in Northern California. It is a brilliantly clear blue day full of, as you can hear, birdsong and wind in the trees and the air is soft and the sun is warm and the olive, there's a, a huge, well around my yurt there are a number of huge California olive bushes and they are festooned with pollinators, bees of all kinds and butterflies and they're gorgeous, everybody gorging on the on the blossoming fruit and then as the summer progresses the, um, the birds will come and eat the olives as they ripen and fatten on the bough. It's gorgeous. It's the time before the lion of summer descends with its severity of heat and light and aridity and the land still feels green and full of water and luscious and vital and alive and plants are healthy and there's a softness there's a really incredible softness to the land and it brings a softness out in the hearts of the people that is really tender and precious. And I enjoy it tremendously. So I send you blessings from that place to wherever you are today. And I haven't been here in a few weeks because I was busy releasing my album, Fertile Darkness, which has been a project long in the making on many, many levels. It's the, the fruits of my time in the underworld, the fruits of my initiations. And I was hoping to have a ball, literally, to host a, a formal ball as a emergence celebration for this creation that I have labored so long for and that I hold so dear to my heart and that is so precious to me in giving to the life of the world but you know hashtag coronavirus that's not possible so I decided to release it digitally and even though it was anticlimactic in some ways it was tremendously gorgeous to <coughs> finally send forth from the nest of my heart this gift and blessing and treasure that is so so ready to become a part of the life of the world. 
So yeah, that's Fertile Darkness, and you can find it on Bandcamp, nitreawolf.bandcamp.com. I'll put a link in the description. And with all that said, let's get into the day's voyage. I want to share with you something I've been contemplating a lot lately, and that is holding the dream of what's possible. And I mean that in the greatest sense of the word, possible. Holding the dream of what's possible for the world that we all share and that we are all creating together with our days and nights, our lives and our being. <laughs> and the wind gods are coming through to punctuate that the spirit is here listening and cheering us on in holding this dream. No matter how inhospitable the field may seem to be to said dream at any given moment. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably in some way or another a dreamer. And you're holding the vision for a more beautiful world, either overtly with the whole of your being or secretly as, as a private tender seed or any, you know, variation between those poles. But if you're here, you're probably a dreamer and a visionary and you're probably praying at some level for the flourishing and emergence of the more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible, to borrow a phrase from the wonderful Charles Eisenstein. And in the holding of that dream, you have undoubtedly also met head-on the difficulty of bringing that dream to life in the world as it stands right now. You know, I had an interaction with my neighbor recently who's um, doing a, a project on his land and he has an easement down to our well, but it, the way it's all set up, he drives through our land to get to his well, and he's never spoken to us about, you know, what, you, what I would do with a neighbor is just like, oh, hey, I'm going to do this new project on my land, and that means I'm going to be coming down to my well here, um, and I know I'll be coming through your land, so how would that be most comfortable for you, for me to use this easement? Should I you beforehand or would you mind if I just come and go as I please or what would what would be the the most useful thing for all of us to make this work but he has not done that he has um, assumed rights to his space and our space as old privileged white men are wont to do and it has of course caused us a great deal of discomfort and he came down the driveway the other day. I'd never actually met him. I'd only heard about about his approach and his behaviors from my friend who owns this land where I live. And he came trundling down the driveway on his um, lawnmower the other day. And so I decided to go and try to make this connection, this human-to-human -human connection, and also to let it be known that there were people here to be dealt with, you know. So I approached him on his little lawnmower and um, 
when he saw me, he veered off the road and back onto his property because our property's on one side of the road, which is our driveway, and his is on the other. And he veered off the driveway and, you know, when he was like, I don't know, 50 feet onto his property or something, he looks up and he bellows out, what? I'm just on my land going to my well. What? What do you want? Why are you bothering me? Never seen this man before. Never spoken to him. He obviously knows that there's some problem with how he's approaching if this is his response. But I just stopped and I raised my eyebrows and I said, hello, you're Ed. You live up the hill here. He's like, yeah, and I'm just going to my well. What? I said, my name is Maitreya. I live here in the yurts with Megan and, um, yeah, I see that you've you've decided to go forward with this grow. That's great. Congratulations. Um, it would be really nice if we could have a conversation about your passage through our land because it's a bit disruptive to us and our lifestyle and our way of being to just have random, you know, ATVs and lawnmowers coming up and down the up and down the driveway and he's like it's a public road. I have an easement to my land. Da, 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 and it's really angry and crossed eye or crossed arms and you know nasty tone and and I said I understand that that you think that's what the case is, but there's some dispute about that because as far as we understand, the road ends up there and this is all our driveway. So you know we don't have a problem with you coming down to your well, we do have a problem with how you're approaching the situation. It's it's inappropriate and it's very unfriendly and very unnecessary to be this aggressive about it. We could have a conversation about this and, and just figure out something that works for everybody. And he started barking at me again. I don't remember what I, you know, I'm pretty quick to my warrior sword. And and then I was like, so are you actually telling me at 70 years old, this is the extent of your capacity for a conversation with the people that you live next to? You're going to bark and bellow and force and push and try to be belligerent enough that we won't push back? Is This is as far as you can go. We live next to each other. We're going to see each other. We affect each other. All I'm proposing here is that we could collaborate on a situation solution that works for all of us and he crossed his arms and he said get used to it and trundled off down to his well and I said get used to 70 year old men who behave like entitled teenagers are in, and are incapable of having functional conversations with their neighbors no that's not something I'm going to get used to that's pathetic and that's something I'm going to continue to push back on and call out as pathetic every time I encounter it. Best of luck. It was, in some ways, an empowering conversation, but in some other ways, you know, I'm glad I stood my ground. I'm glad I, I you know, that just the old privileged white man thinking that he can just roll over whoever he wants to, doing whatever he wants to do, is something I'm always glad to push back on but it was so disappointing you know it was so disappointing it was like three weeks ago now so it was in the midst of just like the tension and the and the crunch and the grind of the pandemic and 
the the bickering and fighting and judging and criticizing and blaming that is so characteristic of the entire social conversation around coronavirus and how to respond to it and what to think of it and how to behave in, in relation to it. And, you know, my tender heart, the place where that dream for our own greater possibility lives, just was so forlorn. Was so forlorn after that. And I went deep into this consideration of something I've thought a lot about before, but, you know, approaching it from a different lens of how do I how do I reconcile the presence of this dream, which is not a vision in my mind. It's not something that exists in my imagination. It's a full body, bone deep cellular knowing of the imminence of a greater possibility for our collective experience as individuals, as relations, as members in the community of life on the planet and with the planet, this dream of what's possible for the life of the holy earth is something I was made out of. And then I have interactions like this and I see this just disaster that the pandemic is and how people are so ready on social media and in person to divide against each other, to fight each other, to, to bicker and sever and corrode the, the fabric of our interwovenness. And, and those things are very, very difficult to reconcile. And I won't lie. <laughs> I deal with depression and I deal with grief, which is natural and normal and healthy, but my grief can tend towards despair when faced with, when, or when facing the world in a particular way, like, you know, last night I was at a community meeting and a dear friend of mine was there and afterwards we were hanging out. I hadn't seen her in a while and she was talking about a similar situation that she's dealing with, with the people who live on the land next to her who are very hostile towards her and exert, you know, trying to exert control over what she does so that their growing is not endangered and that's unusual for growers don't get me wrong most growers that I know are just super super chill this just happens to be like she came along with this story that I was like oh I'm dealing with something very very similar and and it immediately went to this place of like how it makes the the tender optimism in our being ache and recede you know the way um <laughs> The way, uh, uh, what is it, an oyster will clench when the tine of a knife comes towards it. You know, it knows that it's, it's about to take a hit and it, and it contracts 
into itself, you know, and these, these moments for, for, for tender hearted visionaries and dreamers, even for aren't heavily armored ones like me, <laughs> and I'm heavily armored because I'm so tender hearted. These moments are like the, you know, just that knife slipping under that, that bond that we have with the stone and too many of them in too short a period of time can be really devastating so how do we reconcile being woven of this dream with being delivered into such a clusterfuck of a situation as the world is now and there are a few things that come up for me there one of them is I expand my I expand the range of my time to include like a, a vast, vast, vast territory of time and experience. I have a, a clear memory of a woman, I don't know if it's me or an ancestor or, some, or something else, but I have a clear memory of a woman standing at a table in a you know, a, a cottage in Europe somewhere in the time of the Inquisition. And she's standing there at that table in her dress and in her apron. She's got long, dark blonde hair and brown eyes and strong hands that know the earth and know the land and know bodies and babies and know how to create and know how to put things to rest. And she's standing there at this table kneading dough for bread when a knock comes on the door and her whole being freezes because she knows that means she's going to die because it's the Inquisition and if that happens that means somebody has accused you of being a witch and somebody has come to take you for your judgment. And I feel her with her whole bodied longing for a more beautiful possibility, for a world where you can love earth freely, where you can know plants freely, where you can dance in the moonlight and burn your fires and praise the goddess and make love and make food and make life and tend death freely and beautifully in communion with the holy wild earth. I feel her entire longing for that. That her life is a longing for that, is a, is a pouring her life energy into the possibility of that dream. And when I remember her, and I sit here in my little bitchy, disappointing encounter with the asshole neighbor, I realize that this dream is a part of the life of the earth itself. And all of us who hold it, whatever our circumstances are, all of us who hold it throughout the course of life, history, and time, all of us 
expand the field of its possibility a little farther with our lives. It can be a lot farther if we are fully aware of it and really dedicated to it. It can be a little bit farther if we're not fully aware of it or we or we hide it and just hold it as like a, a little ember that we won't let go of in our hearts. It can move not very far if we live a horribly oppressed life and are just dealing with, with survival all the time. But we all, all of us visionaries and all of us dreamers, and so many of us are visionaries and dreamers, so many more of us than we really know are visionaries and dreamers and all of us to whatever degree we are capable of in our lives we expand the field of possibility for the realization of this dream so every generation that dream gets a little farther along in its expression hmm. and I know that right now we're in such an odd situation because we've got so much freedom not everybody not everybody I am a privileged American white woman, so I am speaking from a very particular place, and I am not speaking for everybody, and I know that. I acknowledge that. But, and, <laughs> there is so much possibility in the world for the furthering of this dream in this time, and there's also so much active oppression and even energetic violence against it. But the dream is coming to life. And so this is a huge part in how I personally reconcile what seems to be just an endless field of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Confoundment, maybe? <laughs> like the possibilities being confounded, like, you know, the the two steps forward, five steps back thing that all activists know so much about, that all, you know, so many people know so much about, like the striving, the, the constant swimming upstream, you know, the salmon who's just constantly encountering another fucking dam on its way back to its spawning grounds and just has to like, you know, maybe there's one of those ludicrous fish ladders and they have to try or the dam's just there and they can't go any farther and they can't give their eggs, you know, like it can seem so hopeless or it can seem so like every progress is so befuddled by some backslide or everything is so banal that we'll never actually make the progress towards this, towards this beautiful vision that we know is possible, you know, and I, you know, people say to me, there are so many people who are just asleep or who just accept it or who just don't understand that something else is even possible, let alone worth working towards. And I say, I know. I know it, it looks that way and it feels that way and in so many ways it is that way. And there's also an incredible number of seeds sprouting right now and there are some that are already saplings and there are some that are already trees and the forest doesn't give up even after a clear cut the forest doesn't give up you know I live in a place where 
there has been intense logging and intense hydraulic mining. This land is ravaged and poisoned and so devastated, so traumatized. But it's so beautiful at the same time. It's so vital and so full of medicine and beauty and bounty still. And life never stops. Life never gives up the dream. And that's essentially what we're holding. You know, when we hold the dream of what's possible for the world, we are holding life's vision for itself. And it's like our great quest being embodied right now is how can I use my life, the gift of my life, the 80 or 100 or who knows how many years you have. Like, I only have 40 but how can I use the gift of my life to give life a greater chance to come into its own balance? How can I do the right kind of pushing back against the damage? And how can I do the right kind of pushing forward the regenerative uh, structures and, and processes and everything else like so much good work going on right now how can I participate in the most life-giving way so that I really fulfill this blessing of being my ancestors wildest dreams I don't know who coined that phrase but it came up a while back I am my ancestors wildest dream I saw it the first time on a shirt that Naima Penniman, one half of the amazing poetry duo, climbing poetry, music and hip-hop and spoken word, climbing poetry, they're incredible, check them out. She had this shirt on that said, I am my ancestor's wildest dream, and she's a woman of color, and she's a just amazing spoken word artist, hip-hop artist, painter, permaculturist, community organizer, educator, all these things, you know, and I'm like, yeah, she really is, and that got me to thinking of that for myself. I am also my ancestor's wildest dream. I am a woman who can live according to my own nature. I can dance with the moon. I can take lovers. I can make fires and play my drum and sing at the top of my lungs and praise for life and earth and I can gather people with me to do it and it's a holy thing. And that's just if I don't even try. <laughs> and then I can try <laughs> to do other things. And so this is, this is a, a crucial part, too, of how do we hold the dream of what's possible. We participate in the good things that are already happening. When the pandemic started, I came into this reckoning place of like, okay, pause. I was just about to embark on a completely new direction in my life and then all of a sudden it was just like no you can't do that go home and it put it or I went into a place of deep reckoning about where the differentials between my dreams my ideals my values my passions and my life and how I live my life on a daily basis and how I live my life on a yearly basis and I started to track those things and track where can I begin to smooth out that differential? Where can I begin to bring those things into alignment? And it brought me home to Starhawk's work. Starhawk is an amazing 
woman. She's a, a witch who works in the um, Wiccan tradition of old Europe, and she's also in uh, revival process, essentially, of earth-based spirituality. She's an educator. She's an author. She does this thing, Earth Activist Training, which synthesizes a permaculture design course with earth-based spirituality practices and organizing and activism skills. You know, she's an incredible, she's a force of nature. She's amazing. She's old and she's, you know, big-bodied woman and she's got this amazing, dry, ironic, fantastic sense of humor and she's just, she's just a love. You know, she's just a love. I've been blessed to work in ritual with her. I've done some classes with her. I've read some books of hers, but I have from things in my past, I have an aversion to actually getting too close to teachers. But I realize at this point, like she is there. This is my guide. This is a woman who has been doing this work, doing this work of, of reconciling the holding and being this dream for what's possible in the world in the madness of the world she has been living this reconciliation for 40 years and she has written endless amounts of books she does endless amounts of teachings and rituals and classes and workshops and everything else and I'm like this is it like come home to the people who are already on the path, who are coming to the end of the path. Like, she's an older woman. She's, she's in her elderhood. She's in her crone time. And so she needs, she's passing the torch. She's not slowing down at all. God bless her. She's so amazing. But she's passing the torch. And I have, you know, it's not just that it's my responsibility, but it is. But it's my opportunity. I have the opportunity to take that torch from her, to be the rece receiver of her unbelievable array, uh, um, her unbelievable scope of wisdom and experience and knowledge. I can receive that from her. I can integrate it. I can synthesize it within myself into my own, how I show up, how I further the dream. You know, I'm not alone. Nobody who's holding this dream is alone. That's the biggest piece to remember is for the dreamers and the visionaries in this world where, you know, society is so hell-bent on making us behave as if we are alone and making us believe that we are alone. But it's not true. We're not alone. Seven billion fucking people on the planet. You're not alone. You know, trillions and trillions of life forms of all kinds on this planet. You're not alone. Spirits in an unbelievably untrackable abundance. We're not alone. And as soon as we connect, however that connection is natural for us, as soon as we connect with the good things already happening, we give ourselves community and we give ourselves a greater possibility for fulfilling our own piece of the puzzle. So this is my offering to what is tender and aching and feeling like it's not possible in your heart. It is possible. You wouldn't have the dream if it weren't possible. 
you wouldn't be driven by the dream if it weren't possible. That little spark within you that won't go out and won't let you be. It wouldn't keep reaching for its own expression if it weren't possible. It's possible. And I know some circumstances are so hostile to the flourishing of a dream of any kind. I know that, and that's so dreadful. But it's still possible. Find your allies. Find your allies, take care of yourself in the course of fulfilling this vision. Let yourself be tired when you're tired. Let yourself rest. Feel the grief when it's there. Feel the anger when it's there. Dance, sing, scream, sleep, take a bath, do whatever you need to do, and then keep at it. It's so worth it, and it so wants to happen. We are holding the dream of what's possible for the world because that dream wants to fulfill itself, and we are how it's going to do it. <sighs> so, all blessings on your path, my friend. If I can help you, please reach out. I do mentoring work. I do healing work. Please reach out if you feel like I can help you. I want to help you because the fulfillment of this dream is so ready. And it might not happen in our lifetimes, not to the degree that we see it. Like the utopian earth-based, all the things that I see in, in my vision, I'm like, well, that would be a stretch from here to there in, in the course of what's probably left of my life. But I will expand on the possibility for whoever's coming after me. And it is going to happen because life, life is beautiful. And I truly know, I don't believe, but I know that beauty prevails. So here's my gift to you. Thanks for welcoming me home. <laughs> it's good to be here with you again. The wind gods have come through again to bless us as we transition into the next of our days. And here is a song from my album. This is Gaia's Child featuring my dear, dear brother, Ananda Vaughn. And I love you so much, friends. Many blessings to you. I'll hear you again. I'll sing for you again soon. <laughs> Ciao.
You have been enjoying the Art of Soulful Living podcast with myself, Maitreya Wolf, as your guide. It has been such a pleasure to share with you in this way. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here with me. The Art of Soulful Living is my session-based mentoring work as well as this podcast. Weaving counseling, movement, meditation, and various healing elements, the goal of the work is to heal trauma, cultivate wisdom, and foster greater empowerment in your life. To learn more about it and to explore working together, visit MaitreyaWolf.com forward slash mentoring and fill out the contact form on that page to schedule a free 30-minute consultation. I am able to work remotely, so if you're not in Nevada County, California, but are still interested, do reach out. Things are possible. I'm also a performing musician, storyteller, and teacher. You can learn more about me and my offerings by visiting my website at MaitreyaWolf.com, where you will find recordings of my original music, videos, writing, and more. If you're interested in hosting me for a concert or another event, you can contact me through the site. And again, that's MaitreyaWolf.com. Find me on Facebook and Instagram under the name Maitreya Wolf Sacred Arts. And if you're interested in supporting my work, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Wolf. There are so many ways to connect and your support means the world to me. I very much look forward to hearing from you. Thank you again for joining me for the Art of Soulful Living podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you know when new episodes come out and please rate and share it if you enjoy it. Wings are made of a thousand feathers. I welcome you to be one of mine. More to come, my friends. Many blessings.